Good morning. How is everyone? Good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Is everybody ready for this fall weather setting in? Really? Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> I know what's coming right behind the corner and it's winter and I'm just like, nah, not ready for that yet. Oh my. But it is pretty. I like fall. All right, I'm going to start a, a series this morning, and I don't know how long uh, this series is going to go, but it's important. And the the more that you're here during this series, the more that it's going to renew your mind around the kingdom of God, which lives in you, which we're going to get into this morning. But it's also going to give you a greater picture of just everything that God uh, designed for us to understand. You know, a lot of things got messed up in the beginning and it, and it really twisted the way we see things today. And so we have to get back to a restoration of what the kingdom of God entails and what's actually living on the inside of us. And that is uh, that has everything to do with the culture of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, the authority, the dominion, everything that the kingdom stands for. The king, who we are, uh, we are servants of the Most High God. So we've got a, a lot to dig into here. But I just want to encourage you to to really uh, stick with this series through the, its time period because it's going to help you uh, greatly. I, I've been learning so so much depth just by uh, going through it again. I've taught some things around it, but every time there's layers and layers and layers that you really begin to uh, unfold and peel off around the kingdom of God. So let's just uh, start with prayer this morning. Let's get our minds ready to receive. Father, we thank you for your kingdom, first of all. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us into your kingdom, that you have brought us into your kingdom of light. Lord, that each one of us, as we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, I pray, Father, that we would have revelation upon revelation, precept upon precept, understanding of who we are in your kingdom, what you have given to us and what it entails, everything that we should understand. Lord, take us to new levels, I pray. Take us to greater understanding and revelation that as we are digging into this, Father, that it unlocks the things in our life that we need unlocked. Father, that we know how to handle every situation. We know how to deal with any hindrance and any obstacle that comes against us because everything we need is in your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, for it. We thank you for giving us your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's start back at the beginning, Genesis 1-1, shall we? <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm not going through the whole Bible today. I'm just starting in Genesis 1-1. So let's, uh, let's look at very beginning of scripture, the very beginning of, of our time as we know it, God lives outside of our scope of time. He's not uh, limited by our time. But in our understanding, our time, uh, let's go to the beginning as what we know it. Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now I want to stop there. And really what I wanted you to see from those first two verses in the beginning, before God spoke, before God began to create, it says that the earth, when he created the earth, it was, it was void, it was empty, it was formless, and there was darkness. Now, I know many of you have probably heard, you know, scientists that talk about the Big Bang Theory and how, you know, the earth comes to be by an explosion and atoms that are just, you know, swirling around in, in space, just all of a sudden come together and they make something and, and it has order to it, which makes no sense because everything left to itself is disorderly if it's left on its own. There is nothing, how many, in fact, has anyone ever had anything in their kitchen, ingredients, flour, sugar, salt, you know, all of the ingredients, spices, and all of a sudden they just magically create something in your kitchen and you go, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, for that cake. It doesn't happen on its own, right? Because it has to have a creator. It has to have someone put it together, the mind of, of, of intelligence to put it together and to create. Nothing just happens and forms on its own. Nothing has order on its own. In fact, even our lives will go to, into disorder unless we manage it. And management comes from God. And so we're going to get into this this morning. Because we see as the earth was void, as it was empty, and as it was dark, nothing was, was existing. Nothing was being ordered. Nothing was being managed until God spoke. And each time he spoke, let there be, let there be, let there be. Then all of a sudden you begin to see things of order come into place. Now God, after he creates everything, his intent was to put man on earth. And it's interesting because if you skip over to chapter two, And let's look at, at verse 4, and let's read a little bit here. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And the, and, and the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now, what's interesting here is in verse 5, it says, it says, no plant had yet appeared. No shrub had yet appeared. Because why? One, because there was no uh, rain, but also... It said, because God had not yet brought the, the, the mist and the, the springs to open up and bring these things forth yet, but there was no man to cultivate it. God is the God of management and governing. And so I want to talk this morning about the government of God's kingdom. Because even in the beginning, we see that God was all about his kingdom and his government. Now, it's interesting because he creates earth, he creates everything, and then he says, but there was no man 
to govern. There was no one to, to manage this that he was creating. And so it says he creates man and he forms him out of the dust of the earth. So he creates man from the very dust of the earth, from an element, a physical element. But that's not what gave him life. That was just the shell. And then he breathed into man his very spirit. You are a spirit being. Your body is not who you are. That is a shell. It is your house for as long as that you're living on this physical earth. But you're actually who you really are is a spirit being. And so when God breathed into man, that's who he was. He was breathing the very, that's why it says, let us create man in our image because God is spirit. So he was creating man different than how he was creating anything else. He didn't breathe into anything else. And so he breathed into man. He breathed into him and, and made him a spirit living in a shell of a body. That's why we are created in his image. And so that's why we're called to do the very same things that God did. Now, uh, before we get a little, a little too far ahead, I want you to see a couple of scriptures. Turn over to Psalms. And David wrote many of the Psalms, and he oftentimes saw and wrote prophetically. And he would see things in the spirit and he would write things down. I want you to turn to Psalms 115. And we're going to read three different scriptures out of Psalms. Because I, I really want you to get an understanding of who God created you to be. Psalms 115, that's 115, not 115. 115 verse 16. It says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to whom? Man. The earth he has given to man. So even in the very beginning, his intent, he, all the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. He has given us dominion of the earth, which we'll read in Genesis in just a moment. But he has given us dominion of the earth. He has set us up as managers, stewards, uh, governors of the earth. Now turn over to Psalms 82, verse 6. And if you don't have these underlined or highlighted, do that because these are super key scriptures of, of who you are in your identity and your assignment here on earth. Psalms 82, 6. And this is the scripture that Jesus was actually quoting that they were ready to uh, kill him for. Uh, and, and he ended up slipping through the crowd and getting away. But this was the scripture that he was, he was quoting. And let's start it at verse five. It says, they know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. So it's saying, why, 
people, men walk around in darkness. The earth is actually shaken. In fact, if you read in Romans, it talks about how the earth groans, waiting for the glory of, of men or the sons of God to be revealed. The earth is actually affected by the sin of man and sin coming into the world. And it's saying here, the earth is shaken because man is not governing it right. And I'm not talking about going green. I'm not talking about recycle. And if we all do that, then it solves all the problems. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying everything in life, we are to govern. We are to govern our lives. We're to govern then our family. And then we're to govern in our communities. And we are responsible for the government of uh, even the world. Man is responsible for the government of the world. And so God is calling us to govern. And he says the reason the world is shaken, the reason that there are problems, in fact, 90%, which I, I believe it could even be more than that, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it at 90 just for the sake of giving a little bit of space there. But 90% of the, the issues in life, the problems in life, are governing issues. Think about this for a second. Hunger, famine, does the world have enough food supply to be able to cover all of that? Yeah. But what happens? Greed and incorrect governing. Power. So the food sources aren't, aren't getting to the people because of greed, because of wrong governing, because of power and control. It's all a governing issue. Things in life fail, social, social uh, problems, wrong governing. Marriages that fail, wrong governing. Wrong governing in the home. Children that, that are rebelling, wrong governing. Everything in life, political issues, wrong governing. Everything in life, every issue in life goes back to a lack of governing or corrupt governing. And so God has call, is calling us to take our place, to take our stand. And that is part of the coming revival because we've got to take our stand. We've got to know who we are. If we're going to usher in the last day revival, if we're going to be God's children that take their stand and know who they are and know who they're, what their assignment is, then we've got to govern correctly. What God has called us to, the influence in the realm that he has called us to govern, we've got to do it correctly. The, the present moment that you are in, that he's called you to, you have to govern that correctly. That's what our success is built upon. It's not built upon how much money, the, the, the status that we have, the, the house or the car that we drive. It's built upon whether or not we govern what God has given us correctly. In fact, what does God say? Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. And all of his righteousness, what does that mean? That means to be in right standing in his kingdom. Well, we can't have righteousness in our own strength. Who's our righteousness found in? Christ. Jesus Christ. 
Through him, we are made the righteousness of God. So it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, that we become righteous. And it's not by works that any man can boast. It's only through the works of Jesus Christ. And when we believe in that and come into that, then we are justified and we become righteous. We become in right standing in his kingdom. So then we don't have to worry about, well, you know, did I please him? Did I not please him? Did I, did I do enough things? Did I check off enough things on the list? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that you are found in right status, right standing, because you are in Christ. It's all based on him and what he has done. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means everything that the kingdom is about. And we'll get more into that next week because there are certain components in a kingdom. But God's intent was for man to administrate and to govern the earth through manifesting his image. That's why he said, let us create man in our image, in our image. That means he looks and he acts like us. What he does is speak like us. What he does is act like us. What he does is govern like us, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he said, I said, ye are gods. That word gods is Elohim, same word that is used for God, only it's a little e. Why? Because God begets gods. That's seen through the law of life. You don't ever see a giraffe popping out an elephant. You don't ever see a, another type of animal giving birth. You don't see a, a, a shark giving birth to a turtle. Sharks give birth to sharks. Elephants give birth to elephants. Giraffes give birth to giraffes. It's, it's always been that way and it always will be. So what does God beget? God's little G, Elohim. And I know this is going to ruffle some, some religious feathers, but get ready through this series because I'm telling you, there's going to be some eye-opening things because it has everything to do with our identity and who we are in Christ. And he designed it th that way, not us. He wants us to walk like him. But we can't if we have no idea that we're designed like him. Ye are gods. And even the religious people of those days, they were ready to throw him off a cliff. You can't say that. But we are created in his image. Now turn over to Psalms 8. Psalms 8. Let's start at verse 3. It says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? You, we, you guys have probably heard that song. What is man that you are mindful of him? But, but oftentimes we don't understand where that's actually coming from or what it's referring to. 
because we we kind of sing that song and go, you know, yeah, who am I, Lord? Why are you even paying attention to me? And you know, like put my face in the in the dirt. But what he's saying here is, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Or uh, another version says God himself. And crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands and put everything under his feet. Do you see that? You made him. To be the ruler of everything that you made. Everything that your hand created, you have made man to govern it. You have made man to administrate it. You have made man to oversee it, to dominate. Now go to, to Genesis 1. Because now we're going to look at the, the commission, the assignment that God gave to Adam and Eve. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and dominate. Fill the earth and govern. Fill the earth. That's what that means, to, to have dominion or to, uh, to reign, to rule. It means kingdom authority. It means to have sovereign rule. That's some pretty heavy responsibility, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, when we look at this, this assignment, what God has given to us, how many sit around and actually think and take that on personally every day? <laughs> we have to change our mindsets, don't we? Because God has given us a huge assignment. And then the first scripture in, in uh, verse 26, he says what he's doing. He tells us that, he, that we're going to have rule over everything, over all the earth, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. But then in, in verse 28, he says how? Because I have blessed them. I have blessed them. This is what you're going to do. You're going to rule and you're going to dominate, but this is how I have blessed you now because I have blessed you and I have given you the ability and I have given you the power through the blessing. Now you're going to multiply and you're going to feel and you're, you're going to replenish and you're going to subdue. So he doesn't just say, go do it. He gives us the power. He gives us the ability to do. Praise God. The problem is when sin comes in. But the thing is, God doesn't leave us stranded. So don't go, oh, man, you know, it was all good up until then. <laughs> no, God, God made a plan. You know, he, he saw all of this from the beginning and he knew. But we have to understand the full story. So let's uh, go to, to chapter 3. So we see so far that, that God has given, get this, let this sink in. God has given man a kingdom. 
in the beginning, he gave man a kingdom. And it was God's kingdom. He creates earth and he sets it as rule over the earth and tells man to manage it. He didn't give God, or he, God didn't give man salvation in the beginning because man was perfect. He was already created in the image of God. And this is, this is part of what I want you to get this morning because salvation, salvation, what Jesus Christ did, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but salvation is actually the door to come into the kingdom, but then the kingdom things, the kingdom principles, the kingdom authority, the kingdom dominion is now all given to us. Salvation is the beginning, not the end. Many times people see salvation as just the end. Okay, I'm saved. I'm all good. We just wait till we go to heaven now. Praise God, I'm going to heaven. Praise God, I'm, 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 I'm going to go into the, the, you know, heaven's gates and I'm going to be in heaven with God for eternity. Hallelujah. But that's not the end. That's the entrance. <laughs> that's the entrance. That's the beginning. All the things of heaven that are accessible to us, they're, they're accessible because of salvation. Salvation is not the end of the means. It's the means to get to everything else. Then we have everything at our disposal. We have the kingdom of God at our disposal. Everything is in heaven. Everything that's in his kingdom, he has given us to govern life. So we see, we see what happens in, in Genesis 3. It says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent said, you will, sure, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and made coverings for themselves. Now, Satan didn't come to them and say, hey, guys, you know what? You guys have got authority and dominion over the earth here. And I tell you what, let's let's trade that off. You know, I, I'm coming in, and I would like to have that authority and dominion. He's not, he's not that stupid. He didn't come in and say, oh, did God really give you authority? No, he didn't. They knew they had authority and dominion. That was the commission that was given to them. What did he do? He put the thought in their mind that there's a better way outside of God. God's withholding wisdom. He's not giving you everything. He's, there's things that he hasn't given to you that he's holding back. Really, is he really being all good to you? Because, you know, there's some things here that, that are still uh, accessible that you don't have. The knowledge of good and evil. The thing is, 
what the enemy was doing was pulling them into pride, saying, I have a better way outside of God's system. I have a better way to govern. I have found a better way to manage because there's things over here that I want to have that God hasn't given me. The thing is, the knowledge of good and evil, that was not a good thing for them to have. When we tasted of sin, then we now have the knowledge of sin and the knowledge of that experience. And the knowledge then taints us. It corrupts us. And it causes uh, a, that, the wickedness in our life. And it also can put a desire in it for more, in us for more. And so tasting, seeing, desiring wickedness, desiring evil, and to experience the knowledge of evil is not a good thing. God was actually protecting us. Because remember what I said, without management and without the impact of God's kingdom, everything, everything turns to death, chaos, and disorder. Anytime God touches something, life, order, and perfection is brought back into it. When a person gets saved, they begin to have an innate desire to begin to fix things in their life because the Holy Spirit is now in their life showing them, do this, do this, and they, they begin to look better, not worse. You don't see people getting saved and then going out and, and destroying themselves. If they stay attached to God, you see them getting better and better. Their family begins to turn around. Their life begins to turn around. They begin to experience the things of heaven, joy and peace, and, and uh, the, just the love of God. You see things coming in order, not out of order. And so God is showing us, and he's telling us, I want you to govern in these ways. What the enemy did was came in, tried to convince man that there's a better way. And isn't that like humanity now? We always have a better way. And we always think, well, there's a better, no, God, I, I, I know you understand my situation, so you're going to understand why I'm doing it this way. And it's outside of God's way. He doesn't say, yeah, I get it, I understand. He says, no, my way is best. I know the, the, the laws of life. I created them. I know what's going to be beneficial. I know what's going to bring peace. I know what's going to bring joy. And when we choose to operate outside of his kingdom, then we automatically fall into death, chaos, and destruction. It begins to destroy us. It doesn't always happen overnight, but it begins to happen. And so Adam technically didn't, when you, when you think about this whole dynamic, because Adam had the, the rule of life. He had the rule of, of the kingdom on earth. He was operating through the life of God, the existence of God. But when he chose to eat the fruit, when they chose to step outside of, of God's way of doing things, out of his laws, his principles, now all of a sudden what they did was handed over their authority to the enemy. Because the enemy could not get to God. So he looks at God's creation, the one created in his image, and says, I can gain authority over the world through them if they'll relinquish it. So what happened was a handoff. They handed off their authority, their dominion. 
So all this time, when you look through the word of God, you constantly see where God is trying to place man back in a position to gain authority and dominion. Even you, you take the time of, of Noah, the earth was flooded. They come off the boat at the end of those, uh, that time spent on the, on the boat for uh, over a year. And, and he then says to this very same thing, to have authority, to replenish the earth, to multiply, to increase. He gives them the same exact instruction. He takes Abraham, one man, and wants to make a nation out of him and says, I'm going to give you this land. He wants this man to become a nation of people where he's, his laws are being operated and they're following him. So he can call them his people, his own, that look like him. And I'm going to give you a land and you're going to populate it. And you're going to increase. So every time God is trying to expand his kingdom on earth. Through what? Through us. It has to be through a vessel. Why? Because the earth was created for who? Us. So when God said, you are to dominate the earth, you are to subdue, you are to increase, I'm putting you, the governor, over the earth, he could not take that back because God doesn't go against his own laws. So he couldn't say, uh, you know what, you're doing a really bad job, Adam, I'm stepping back in. He couldn't do that because he would be violating his own law. So we are in an age right now where the enemy is called the prince of this air. Why is he called the prince of the air? Because physically, he does not have a body. He is a spirit. So how does he influence people? By speaking things into their ear, by influencing them, by oppressing, by depressing, by coming in and, and putting uh, spirits around you that make you think that, yes, this is what you want. Same thing, like, oh, we have a better way. There's a better way to do this, and I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way. Or put a temptation in front of a person. Or oppress them to feel like, oh, I must be feeling this way. It's the enemy. Those things come from hell. It's not from heaven. There is no oppression in heaven. There is no anxiety in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's none of these things. And so the enemy tries to come in by influencing. And if we give him an open door, then that's how he gains influence into a person's life. Now he can influence that person. Now he has a body to work through. I'm not calling everybody possessed. That's not what I'm saying. Possession is when you, when you allow time after time for the enemy to come in to the point that you are in agreement with the enemy to use your vessel for him to operate through. There are people that sell themselves to that. There are people that, that, that uh, link up with the enemy to try to see wickedness come about on this earth. They serve the devil and they know it. And then there are some people that become possessed because time and time and time again, they just offer themselves to wicked things and to sin. I'm not saying that everybody's possessed. What I'm saying is that we can all be influenced. And so when, when the enemy comes in, even, listen to this, when the enemy comes in with a thought, which happens every day to people, every day, none of us are exempt. So he comes in with a thought, 
well, this is pointless. This happens to you every time. He wants you to speak that out because he knows that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he wants you to sow those seeds. And he wants you because you're created in the nature of God. And how does God create? He speaks it out. You are created in the same way. So he comes at you with the thought and tries to get you to speak it out because it's the seed of what he wants to plant in your future. And then we have a choice. We have to captivate that thought and cast it down and choose to replace it with the thought and the right principle of God. Because you are created in the image of God. Man, you've got power you don't even realize. We all have power we don't even realize. But that's why we've got to govern correctly. We have to govern our lives correctly. We have to govern our homes correctly. We have to govern the influential world that he's put over us, wherever we work, whatever, uh, whatever you may be involved in, whether it's sports or an agency or an organization or a, a ministry or whatever it may be. He's giving you influence over that area. Well, the enemy likes to give people influence over areas too. Why? So he can work through them. That's why the Bible talks about the Prince of Persia, because there was a ruler that was being influenced by demonic spirits, and that's why that area was wicked. They were allowing the wickedness of the spirit to flow through them. They were making decisions and influencing their whole uh, culture, their whole city based on demonic influences. And it affects a whole nation. That's exactly what happens. That's why there's nations that even though they have the resources, but their people are hungry. Their people are dying. Their people are diseased. Even though there's resources available. But because they control, the, the, because of greed, power, that influential leader is being controlled by demonic spirits being influenced. So it's incorrect governing. But that's where he calls us to step up. And that's why we have to say enough's enough and we have to take dominion. Because it's our responsibility. It's our assignment to do that. In fact, Ephesians 2.2 says this. Listen to this verse. It says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, which are the principles of the world, the principles of, of wickedness, the principles of the demonic, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the enemy, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That means the enemy has to have a vessel to work through. He works through the sons of disobedience. Those who agree and, and say, okay, I'm going to do this. They are lining themselves up with a demonic spirit and operating in the wickedness. Or God also needs to have a vessel, which is us, to be able to operate through. So we have to be available for the Holy Spirit to operate through. Because this is a physical realm. We are spirit beings, but that's why it says the enemy is the prince of the air. 
So he has to find vessels in the physical realm to be able to flow into the physical realm. Does this make sense? Okay. So the fall of man itself was not taking away God's omnipresence. It's not like God no longer could be everywhere. He is omnipresent. His presence is everywhere all the time. But it's not always manifested. You could be a kind person, but whether it's manifested or not is up to you. You see what I'm saying? You could be a rude person, and whether or not you manifest that is up to you. God's glory isn't always tangibly manifested. He has to have vessels that so desire. He has to have vessels that desire for him to operate through. So even when we come in a place like this, even when we come in to celebrate his name, our attitudes, how we, how we respond to his presence, whether or not we worship him or not, these are acts of demonstrated ways on whether or not we are allowing him to utilize us to receive from his Holy Spirit. If we sit there like a knot on a log, then that's all we'll be. But if we say, Lord, I'm worshiping you this morning. I am praising you. I want to hear from you. I want to touch from you. I want to experience you this morning. Then we'll receive that. And we're opening ourselves up for him to be able to encounter us. So when we realize that we are a vessel, but we have to choose of what? Now, obviously, I know that you guys all want to be vessels of the Holy Spirit or you wouldn't be here. So we all are on the same page with that. But God, even in his omnipresence, in the beginning, at the fall of man, it wasn't that his presence was taken away. It was that God's government was no longer operating. Because now man had decided, I'm going to go this other way. So he's no longer walking with the mind of God anymore. He's no longer operating within the glory and the manifestation in the presence of God. So it's not that God's presence can't come. It's whether or not we're willing. And when Jesus Christ died, and when he became the sacrifice, and when he laid down his life, what he was doing was coming as a human vessel, but he's a spirit, the spirit of truth, and he lays his life down and becomes the ultimate sacrifice. Why? So that they could be torn, and so that we could have communion with the Father once again. And then we become the temple of the Holy Spirit at all times. So we carry his presence with us. We have him with us at all times. And he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Go to Colossians. I want you to see that scripture. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 
It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through his blood. So he's translated us. He's rescued us. He's delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness. We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. When we call him our Lord and our Savior, what we're doing is submitting to the, the Lord of the kingdom of God. See, we it's not... It's not that we're, we think many times we're doing our own thing and, and being in our own kingdom, but there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. And by default, we choose one or the other. But when we call Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior, not just call him, but, but truly give him our hearts and say, you are my Lord. That means I'm going to do what you tell me to do. That means I'm going to adjust my thinking and my acting to this word to your principles, not to my own will, not to my own pride, not to my own thinking, but I'm going to renew myself according to the word of God. And then because I'm doing that, I'm calling him Lord, master of my life. And I'm being translated. And it says that he has through his blood translated or rescued or delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. So now we are in the kingdom of his son. See, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh man, bump, bump, bump. you know, we, we just lost out there in the beginning and it never it didn't pan out. No, no, there, there is the, the, our hero <laughs> that came and, and laid his life down the champion of heaven that came and laid his life down so that we could come back into the kingdom. But it's more than just salvation. It's everything that the kingdom offers. Everything that's in the kingdom is accessible to you. So salvation is to restore you back into the kingdom. It's not just I'm being saved from hell. I'm being restored into a kingdom and everything that's in that kingdom. And now I have a responsibility to govern. That means anything that happens in my world concerning my world, I have a responsibility to. But what the enemy has done has made us play a victim. But we have to get out of the victim mentality. We can't have a victim mentality. If we've been translated into his kingdom, that means you are now a governor. You are now a ruler. You are now, in fact, the Bible calls us a priest and a kingship. That means you walk with the royalty of God. In the kingdom of God. In fact, I want to close with a with a, a few scriptures because I want you to see that I printed off some some scriptures because when Jesus Christ came to earth, you would be surprised. He did not come and preach salvation 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 even though salvation is the way into the kingdom but what did he preach he preached kingdom he preached kingdom he preached kingdom he spent his time on earth preaching kingdom so when when we read that and every story is about kingdom kingdom principle kingdom law let me let me read some of this to you he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of these are in Matthew. Jesus was going throughout Galilee, 
teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent men take it by force. To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the robe. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. The field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. The kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea. Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of household who brings out his treasure, things new and old. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's just in Matthew. In the New Testament alone, there are over 160 references to the kingdom of heaven. He preached the kingdom. And in Acts 1, when he comes back, and it says he spent time with them for over 40 days. And he preached to them the kingdom of heaven. Those are his last moments. And what did he do? He spent time teaching kingdom. We are here for more than just being saved from our sins. That is the beginning. And praise God. And if that was the only thing, that is enough. But I'm here to tell you that's not the only thing. So we have to understand who he's called us to be. We have to understand what our assignment is. Minister, you can go ahead and come to the keyboard, please. He didn't send Jesus to give us religion. And he didn't send Jesus to give us a bunch of rituals to do. And he didn't send Jesus to just save us from the fires of hell. There was more to it. He sent Jesus because it was our restoration back into a kingdom. I want to read to you something that Dr. Miles Monroe said. The difference between religion and, you know, a lot of times we call it religion and relationship, but it's really religion and kingdom. Yes, God does want a relationship with us because think of it this way. It's like any, it's like any parent with their children. They impart, they impart, they impart for years in hopes that that child will gather and grow in the things that have been taught to them and then they will take from what they've been taught and grow even more. And what, what's happening is a kingdom is being built. We might oftentimes think of, of a, our own little kingdom, of our home. But really what we're doing is we're expanding God's kingdom. That's what the Bible is, is not just a bunch of stories. It's about a king 
his kingdom and all of his sons and his daughters, his royal family, expanding the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible is about. You look at Daniel, you look at Esther, you look at every person that he was speaking into, pulling out of their situation, and and he would take them and cause them to be influential. If they were faithful to God, he would raise them up. But faithfulness is the key because it's what? A kingdom principle, which we'll get into. If we're not faithful, then we can't expect the promotions. But if we're faithful, then he'll promote us. If we're faithful, even through the hard times, even through the difficult times, even when it doesn't seem like anything's lining up, but if we're faithful, if we're faithful, if we're faithful to his word, if we believe what he says, if we're faithful, we will see the result come to pass. But Dr. Miles Monroe said this, Jesus didn't preach religion. He preached kingdom. Religion prepares man to leave earth. Think about that because religion is always, you know, someday, someday, someday in glory land. But kingdom empowers man to dominate. Religion focuses on heaven, but kingdom focuses on earth. Because we got a job to do now. It's not about getting to heaven. It's about doing our job here. It's about getting done what needs to get done here. It's about advancing his kingdom now. Religion is reaching up to God. The kingdom is God coming down to man. Religion wants to escape earth. The kingdom brings heaven to earth. Isn't that good? Completely different perspective because one has the perspective of victimhood and the other has the perspective of authority and domination. Not because we dominate for ourselves, but it's for God's kingdom that we do it. We're expanding his kingdom. We're advancing his kingdom. We're we're doing what he's called us to do. Not because of what we want, because of what he says and his kingdom being expanded. It's not for our glory. It's for his glory. But I'm telling you, you can't do anything for his glory and not become famous yourself. And that's not a prideful thing. What I'm saying is, if you do something for his glory, it will attract people to you because they see his glory around you. They see his glory coming through you because you are believing in his word. You're operating in his principles. Before Jesus left, he said, I bestow on you a kingdom. I confer on you, I appoint to you a kingdom just as my father has conferred to me. What he was saying is, I'm passing off a kingdom to you. What what you've seen me do all of those three years is I've been on earth expanding the kingdom, preaching the kingdom, preaching the kingdom. He's like, I am giving that to you. In fact, that word, a point, actually means like a will. I'm giving it in possession to you and you are now responsible for it. That's pretty heavy. But I tell you, when we have a revelation of this, when we have a revelation of the the spiritual gift that's inside of us, the kingdom that's inside of us, then you will automatically look like revival. 
because you'll dominate in your life. You'll dominate in your situations. You'll dominate in the environments that you're around. The things of this world won't shake you up. Every report that comes out of, out of the media is not going to impact you because you're part of another kingdom. You're part of another kingdom. Your source is from another kingdom. It's not from this world. It's not from America. It's not from your boss. It's of another kingdom. So you begin to call things that are not as though they are on earth because you're drawing from the spirit. You are a spirit being. Go ahead and stand to your feet. You're a spirit being. Our job is to draw from the spirit. Get this. Many times people are running around trying to find happiness on the outside. They're grabbing for things on the outside, trying to get and pull them in because then they're going to fulfill that happiness. On the, that's going to make me happy. That's going to fulfill me. But that's not how it works. You have kingdom on the inside of you. When you realize that it's on the inside of you already, then you already have joy because it's already coming from the inside. You're drawing from the wells of salvation. You're drawing from the inside. You're drawing from the kingdom that's in you and you're bringing it out. That's how it works. That's how God did. Let there be light. Why? Because it was in him. He is kingdom. So he said, let there be and it was. And he's calling us to do the same thing. The kingdom that's in you. That's why you don't live from the outside in. You live from the inside out. This is going to transform our thinking. We're going to see things differently. Our mindsets will change. And as your mindset begins to change, you're going to see yourself dominating. And you're going to see yourself beginning to declare. You're going to see yourself beginning to decree. And you're going to be calling those things that you need to happen in your life. It, it doesn't matter what a doctor says. And it doesn't matter what a teacher says. And it doesn't matter what your boss says. And it doesn't matter what the environment says. It doesn't matter what the media says. Because you have kingdom on the inside of you. You have the resources on the inside of you. So you're drawing it from out of you and bringing it forth because it's not from this world going around trying to grab it from the outside isn't going to work you draw it from the inside from the wells of salvation you'll bring it up you'll bring it up with joy because you already have it it's already in you because you got the revelation of it kingdom lives in me let's raise our hands this morning father we thank you we thank you for the kingdom that you conferred on us, that you have given to each one of us. Father, nothing should hold us back. I pray, Father, that as we go through these series, as we go through the understanding of your kingdom, give us revelation. Open the veil up. Take the blinders off of our eyes, Father, in every area. Lord, by the end of these series, I pray, Father, that each person begins to declare and decree what they need to see happen in their life. And they'll see how you have called them to govern. Lord, that each person in here has the wisdom 
to govern the way that you call them to. I declare homes blessed in Jesus' name. That there's peace over homes where there's been chaos. We declare jobs and promotion to come into place where seed has been sown and left in the ground for way too long. I call it to fruition now. I pray right now, Father, bring promotion and jobs and positions to the minds of employers right now in Jesus' name. That they are promoted because they have been faithful to you, Father. was listening to a sermon this morning and it was interesting because there was a, a lady that had a testimony she came back to her pastor and said you know I was healed of stage 4 cancer God healed me and he said that's awesome how, how did that happen and she said because I refused to repeat what the doctor said to over my life She refused to receive the report that did not line up with the word of God. It was coming from man. And yeah, in the natural, it's right. But in the supernatural, it's not right. In the supernatural, that's not her story. In the supernatural, she's a child of the king. In the supernatural, what she did was she declared what was her inheritance. And she pulled down her inheritance, not from some vitamin, not from the world, but from heaven's throne room. You are the temple of the living God. There's so much power on the inside of you. Let's bow our head. If you're here today and you're questioning whether or not your relationship is right with God, whether or not you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life, and you know that maybe once you did bow your knee to Him, but you haven't been living for Him, or maybe you've never and you know that today is that day. And you need to give your heart to him fully. And if that's you today, I would love to pray with you. For you to come into his kingdom, to experience all of his goodness, to experience all of his glory, to begin to live with kingdom mindset from the very beginning. to know him as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, then I want to pray with you. If you just raise your hand and let me say a simple prayer with you today. Anyone across this room?
to quickly say it for anyone online. If you guys can just help lead those online, anyone that's listening today. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today you want to do that, then just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ into this world to become my sacrifice. And he rose again to give me life. I ask you today to come into my heart, to cleanse me, to make me new, to make me strong where I was weak. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and with power. In Jesus' name, amen.